0: In today's show, it's mock draft 3.0. We are a few days away from the NBA draft, and I'm getting wild. I'm getting loose. I'm going to mix it up, and you're going to hate it. I guarantee you. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Live draft show Thursday. That's when the draft's on. We're going to kick it off 15 minutes before the draft starts, so 7.45 p.m. Eastern, live on the YouTube channel. You can see the video there. I've tweeted it out. It's on my TikTok. It's on my Insta. It's on Twitter. It's on YouTube. You'll find the link. Easy to find. It's pinned at the top of the channel page as well. Join me there. We'll talk all about the draft. Now, this show that I am doing now, Mock Draft 3.0. I am recording it Sunday night, Eastern time. It is not coming out until Monday because I was superseded by the Bradley Beal trade. If you haven't seen my episode on Bradley Beal and the trade, that has come, that is gone, that was yesterday. So I do apologize if there's any sort of weird trade that happens in the next 16 hours that involves moving of draft picks. A couple of ground rules to get out of the way. I am not here telling you what teams are going to do. Do you want to know why I'm not doing that? Because I don't know. What I can do is I can go get third-hand information. I can go and listen to, I can go read a Jonathan Gavoni mock draft or a Sam Bassini mock draft or Jonathan Wasserman and his mock draft and then tell you what they've been told by sources who have been told by somebody else. What is the point of that? Why would I regurgitate what I have been told? I'm not trying to guess what is right in terms of who goes where. That's not what I am trying to do. What I am trying to do is tell you what I would do in this position, and you are going to hate it. I went a little bit more wild in this one. I started to stray a little bit away from consensus because, let's be honest, consensus is wrong. All the time, every year, every draft, the consensus is wrong. It is bad. That's not to say it's not the, wrong, uh, it's not the right position to have or it's not a good guide because it is, but it is always wrong. So I might come out and have your favorite player, who is mocked to go at number 10, I might have him 20th. We'll see whether that's true. And you'll tell me, well, you're an absolute dickhead. There's no way the Lakers are passing on this guy. That's not the point. That might be true. The Magic might not pass on this guy. The Pelicans might not pass on this guy. The Lakers might not ever pass on this guy in a million years. Not the point of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you an idea. As I choke, I'm trying to give you an idea of how I view the players, what I would do in that scenario, because again, no point me third-hand informationing you what I think a team will do because of what someone has told someone who has told someone and what I have read. I don't see the purpose in that. So I'm going to go through the way that I've viewed it. I'm going to get things wrong. A lot of things. I'm going to get things right that the consensus doesn't as well. That's just the way that it works, but it's my idea, and I welcome your thought process on it, as long as it doesn't start with, well... The Raptors are definitely taking this guy. Well, they are never taking this guy in a million years. Like that's just not what this is about, right? It's about how I would try and approach what these teams do. I'm not trying to be Masai Ujiri. I'm not trying to be James Jones and forgetting that the draft exists for the next seven years. I'm trying to do what I think would be best for that team. Disclaimer done. We understand that. Let's have some discussion. Let's have some debate about where this mock draft goes. Because again, I don't, it's 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 different. It's different to a lot of other people. It's not massively different, but it is different. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's look at the top of the draft. How much do I need to get into the top? Number one is old mate, Victor Weminyama. You don't overthink it. I don't need to talk about it. He's the number one pick. He's the number one dynasty rookie pick. He's a top five overall dynasty startup pick. As for standard season-long fantasy, I wouldn't take him in the top two rounds. Maybe round four, but I, I don't know. that. It's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we get to Weminyama. He is a game-changer defensively, maybe offensively. He's awesome. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see him in the NBA. It's going to be amazing. We've been waiting on this since he was 14. Really, like I've been waiting to hear. I've been heard, heard of this guy for years, and it's happening, and the Spurs get him, and it's great. So number two, It's the Charlotte Hornets. It's old mate, Sterling Henderson. Jesus God, Sterling. Yeah, Sterling's his real name, which I found out like a day ago. Scoot goes at number two. I don't care about fit, even though I don't think there's a fit problem. Um, I think he's that good. I think he's significantly better than the other options that would be available at number two. And I just take him and I figure it out. You're bad. You're the Hornets. You're very bad. Lamelo can be a good player. The Hornets were the second worst team in the NBA. They had injuries to LaMelo, of course, and they've still got a weird roster. Um, you just take the better player. And that's who I think Scoot is. You know, you might disagree and think that Scoot isn't the second best prospect. That's fine. His recent measurements come back much better than what was initially thought. We all thought 6'2 initially. Apparently, he's come in closer to like 6'4 in shoes. That's huge. With a 6'9 wingspan, the size concerns aren't there. Strength is is awesome. Like I, I think he's going to be great. I'm not overthinking it, especially if I'm Charlotte, but they are Charlotte. Now, they have made a move where Michael Jordan is selling his uh, controlling interest in the team. They're bringing Scoot and Brandon Miller back in for more workouts. I will roast them if they don't pick Scoot. I might be wrong. They might be wrong, but I know what I would do. I would just take Scoot. He is the best player after Victor in this draft, in my opinion, and then we see what happens. To me, that is relatively clear. In fact, I've never really debated that going in any other direction than the direction that we've got it there. So that is what I would do at number two. And then number three, I wouldn't take Brandon Miller because as I said, I'm getting wild in this. And I do not think that Miller has a particularly super high ceiling. I could very much make the argument that the floor for Brandon Miller is a really good NBA player. Best case scenario, maybe he's Chris Middleton. A couple-time All-Star, a second-best player on a title team, sure. Was he the second best or was Drew Holiday? I don't know. Whatever. Good player. Might average 20 a game for a few years. Should shoot the three ball well. I worry about athleticism. I worry about how he defends at this level. I think he's an okay defender. Um, Passing, can that improve? Yeah. I think he's a solid player. Right? But I just want to take upsides. I want to take flies on guys who can be all NBA level upside players. And I don't think Brandon Miller is that. Could he be in, you know, we run 10,000 simulations of their careers. Does Brandon Miller end up as the third best player in this draft? Maybe he does it. Maybe it's 6,000 times out of 10,000 times. Maybe. But it's still, the upside isn't high enough. So I'm going to go with Amen Thompson. I think he's talking to you. I just think, Amen, yes, the shooting for Amen is a problem. But his feel for the game, elite. Athleticism? Look, absolutely upper level elite. Look, where does he come into the NBA as a top five athlete in the entire league? Maybe. Passing feel, through the roof. Defensively, I think he's really good. Getting to the rim, way better than Brandon Miller. All right, there's so many things there that if the shooting hits, and it might not, but it's very much, it's hard. You can't teach athleticism, number one. You can't, it's harder to teach feel. It's harder to teach passing vision. You can improve that, but you can't ever, it's very hard to get from Brandon Miller to Amend Thompson in terms of passing. You can't get there. Right? That's this a hard bar to get past. And while we love talking about how wings are important, and they are, they are, but you can win without them. Look at the Nuggets. Point guard, center. Their wings were Bruce Brown and Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and then everyone else was a six ten forward. That's it. That was their team. Now it's you know, how can you model that? You can't always because you don't have Nikola Jokic. But a man Thompson's got the size. He's like six, five and a half, six, five and three quarters without shoes, about six, six and a half with shoes. Big size, big feel, big de- defensive ability. Unbelievable athlete. Turn into a solid to average shooter and he might actually be better than Scoot. And I, I don't think there's any chance of Miller being better than Scoot. There is an argument that a man can be. So I'm taking the flyer in Portland. Do I worry about the fit? Not really. Not really. A man, Thompson, Shaden Sharp. Let's go. Athleticism, Sharp's got the shooting, a men can pass, defend, they got size. That's what you're building around as Paul. And we'll figure out the rest later on. So I'm gonna go with a Thompson at number three. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life is hard for many, many different reasons and in many different ways. BetterHelp is here to help you. So You can help focus on yourself to get yourself better you can't help others unless you help yourself it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and you never take that moment to think what do you need from yourself if you are not in a space to get yourself right or to feel good with you you're not of use to other people to the way that you can maximize and that's what better help can help you do help is in their name that is what they help you do you learn positive coping skills from seeing a therapist Set boundaries that are healthy for you and the other people in your life. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to go through therapy and to get a benefit out of it. And BetterHelp can provide that benefit for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge if you find that the, the pairing isn't working. Find more balance with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp dot com slash locked on MBA today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash locked on MBA. Let's go to the next group. Um, where I go? Yeah, number six. That's where I went to. But we'll start with on video. You can see this, and you're probably like, <gasps> audibly gasping. At number four, I do have Cam Whitmore. I don't have Brandon Miller. Now I feel way more confident that Miller's floor. Is higher than Whitmore. Absolutely no doubt. And I am, I'm still, I'm going to go back and forth on this one a lot. I'm still debating a lot of this. Whitmore's athleticism is elite. His ability to get to the rim and finish is elite. Um, I think he can be an above average shooter. The thing that worries about me for him, or the worries me about him, is the lack of vision and the lack of passing. Disgustingly low assist to turnover ratio. Very high. We don't see Villanova prospects this high in the draft. We don't see these one and done guys from Nova. His team was really bad and he, he did struggle in that regard. He dealt with a thumb injury early in the season, which impacted him, I think. And I think that yeah, there, is, there, there is a large concern with the passing and the field. That's why I, I wouldn't consider him top three. But again, I think that the absolute elite star upside for him, like you talk, people talk about Brandon Miller can be Paul George. Cam Whitmore can be Paul George to me, not Brandon Miller. Could he be Kawhi? It's a different story. But Whitmore's got the size, the strength, the athleticism, the finishing ability, the getting to the rim ability that Miller does not possess. The passing feel, atrocious. But I am still going to take Whitmore at number four here to the Houston Rockets. It's also a perfect fit as well. Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Shengun. It's a great, great four core guys. I don't, count, I don't count Porter in that, but Porter did have an improved season. So I'm going to take Whitmore at four. So that must mean that I've got Brandon Miller at five. Well, no, I don't. Because I really like Taylor Hendricks. So I'm going to take Taylor Hendricks at number five for the Detroit Pistons. Hendricks does not ever, to me, um, profile to be a number one offensive option. I also don't think Miller does either. That's why I've dropped him down. But Hendricks is a guy that I think can play the five defensively, can play the four, can switch out onto threes, can block shots, can get steals, can contain, and is already a shooter that's not quite as good as Brandon Miller because the volume's not there, but it's already a knockdown shooter. I look at uh, Taylor Hendricks as um, slightly bigger Paul Millsap with more offensive upside, more ability to create for himself. Millsap was a multi-time all-star. Hendricks is a guy that I think whatever team you put him on, he fits because he can do multiple things, center, power forward, small forward at times, probably not that much at the three, but he can play there. The shooting's already there. The defense is going to be good. I think he's still got a little bit of growth in him in terms of size and strength. And I just think that that level of role player to me fits anywhere. It fits anywhere. Does Brandon Miller make sense with Ivy and Cade? Yeah, you could argue it. It does make a little bit of sense. But I think that Hendricks actually fits better. I've got those two sort of similar in terms of um, where they fit tiers-wise. And I just think Hendricks makes more sense, go a little bit bigger. He's not that much bigger than Brandon Miller, but he's a little bit bigger with definitely way more defensive versatility and defensive upside even if he's not going to be as high level of a scorer. Now, Hendricks has, if if I'm going to talk about Miller having some concerns about shooting at the rim, finishing at the rim, then I have to talk about Hendricks, who, if it wasn't a dunk, he couldn't hit any layups. But it's such a small sample size, I don't really know what to make of it, is that his non-dunk finishes, what do you have, like 20 of them or something? That's such a low number. Yes, it was an abominably low finish percentage, but it's so small that I don't really think that's a problem. Basically, he just dunked and hit threes. So he is a guy that probably isn't a 20% usage player for a few years. He might you know, peak at 21, 22. But he's never going to be like LaMarcus Aldridge offensively. But he's going to be able to hit threes. He's going to be able to defend. I just think there's a lot of value in Taylor Hendricks. And I, really, like, I, was, I wanted to put him ahead of Cam Whitmore. I just think Whitmore's got a higher 99 or 95 percentile outcome than what Hendricks does. Um, but I really like what Hendricks does. And at number six to Orlando, this is Brandon Miller. Now, I have let him slide down from where people are debating he might go at two. I don't have him there. I've got him down at number six. I worry about the lack of athleticism, burst, finishing. Um, how do you fit in a role where you're not the number one? What do you do to provide? Do you give additive value? That's a key thing for me Like as we move forward. Have you got star upside? I don't. Uh, superstar upside? No. Star upside, maybe. I just don't value Brandon Miller as highly as others. Now, he is probably going to have a better rookie season than Taylor Hendricks, Cam Whitmore, and Men Thompson. He probably is. I think that's probably fair enough. But we don't draft for one year. We draft for hopefully 10 years. And while he might be good, and then he might sit there, and then everyone else comes above him is sort of how I feel with Miller, who's older than most guys, not the Thompsons, or they're about the same age, but he's older than these other guys by a year. I think he makes actually a ton of sense in Orlando. Yes, you get a little bit big with Franz and him playing on the wing. But I think those guys can sort of switch down to play the two. The shooting is really important. And it'd be impossible for me as a Magic GM, I think at this point, to pass up on Brandon Miller at that position. I, I just I don't, I don't think I could do it, which yeah, that's part of the point of this, isn't it? Let's go through. Actually, should we go through that? Nah, no, let's not go through that yet. Let's go through and tell you that today's episode is also brought to you by Ibotta. Groceries, school shopping, whatever you're getting for yourself. You know you're already doing it. So why don't you get some cash back with Ibotta? You're always throwing money at something. It's school supplies, a house project, travel... Um, food, whatever it is. You spend your hard-earned money, so get something back. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. It can be um, on lots of different things. You can buy, use it to buy a flight that you're looking at or a restaurant meal or concert tickets or whatever it is. Ibotta can get you that cash back and it's not just in points. They give you back real cash that you can get cash out to your bank account, to your PayPal or in gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying Ibotta by using the code. LOCKED when you register go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED that's Ibotta I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or the App Store and use the code LOCKED okay next group of guys in this mock draft down to number 10 at 7 it's Jarris Walker who I think when I look at this mock draft and when I go through and compare it to one I did what 2 weeks ago mock draft 2.0 this is 3.0 most players change. Like I had Wimbenyama, Skruden, Amen as the top three. Last time I had Miller at four. I had Whitmore at five and Hendricks at six. So I've moved those guys around. Jarrus Walker stayed in the same position. I think he is the only player through the rest of this mock draft who stayed in the same spot. So Walker stays at seven. He is theoretically a perfect fit for the paces. I worry a little bit that he measured in at six foot six. Is he a little bit too undersized? Well, I think probably his best position in the future will be playing some small ball center. I think he's got some offensive creation upside and some passing upside, but does he turn into small ball P.J. Tucker? He's better offensively than that, way better. Um, But it gives me a level of pause, and that reduced measurement there from Jarris definitely keeps him way below Taylor Hendricks to me. And I debate putting uh, Asar Thompson ahead of him on my big board, but I don't. I'm going to take Walker here, they're all relatively similar, these next three players. Walker makes a ton of sense on the paces next to Miles Turner, next to Tyrese Halliburton, next to Benedict Matherin. It's going to be hard for him to sort of grow his offensive game a huge amount there, but defensively, he's there. He's very, very strong already. I'm just getting a little bit more skeptical of Jarris the more we get into this process. At number eight, to the Washington Wizards, who, of course, just made the Bradley Beal trade, I don't think Chris Paul's going to remain there. That might have already been rerouted by the time we're watching this. So again, again, I wouldn't make a draft pick based on we've got 38-year-old Chris Paul as our point guard, so therefore we can't do anything in that spot. That's not how that works. I'll take Case and Wallace. Case, now, I had a pretty clear top eight in terms of my tiers for my big board previously um, with the delineation, but I've actually moved Wallace up into that eighth spot ahead of Asar Thompson. I think that Wallace projects as a better shooter than Asar. I think he projects as just a better all-round offensive scorer. Um, I worry a little bit about Asar. If Asar was able to play point guard to the level that I think a can play, I would have Asar higher, but I'm not sure that he can. I think he's more of an off-ball connector who's got shooting concerns, and yes, he's a marginally better shooter than a man, but marginally better doesn't mean good. And when you're playing that off-ball role, I don't really know how valuable it is. I think Wallace has got shooting upside, scoring upside, driving upside, elite defense, Kentucky guard as well. How many Kentucky guards do we have to have? Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Tyrese Maxey, who gets stifled by the system. Fit makes sense. Player makes sense. I'm taking Kaysen at eight. Number nine, Asar Thompson going to the Utah Jazz. Yes, they do need a point guard for sure. Um, I I don't think that the other guys who were available on the board here, and you would argue that Anthony Black is one of those options. I'm not as high on Anthony Black. And I think that Asar is a better prospect than some of the other point guards that are coming up later on. So I'm going to take Asar here. Maybe they can work him into being a point guard. Maybe they don't care and they tank again and they try and get other guards in, in the future or see what development they can get. Maybe they turn him into that. They are not in a hurry to get better for this next season. And I think Asar is, this is the end of my tier here. I think Asar is clearly the next best guy, and I just wouldn't want to step down in a tier to fill a need on a team that's in the middle, or the very beginning of a rebuild. Number 10 to Dallas. I'm going to take Derek Lively. Fit, check. Huge fit, check there. Has he got more offensive upside than the 11% usage he showed at Duke? I, I think so, yes. He came in with offensive upside coming out of high school, He's flashed quite a bit of that in his workouts and pro day and combine. He's got some of the best rim protection numbers coming out of college. Think Walker Kessler-Light in terms of those block numbers. Fantasy-wise, there's a lot of value in him. Um, I think he can do more offensively. I think he can be a massive help to Luca and Kyrie, whether he returns or not. Um, Not just a JaVale McGee rim running big, a guy with a little bit more juice there, but also just filling that role. Defensively, should be good right away and heaps of room to grow. So I am in at Der- on Derek Lively coming in at number ten on this mock draft. Let's go to the rest of the top fifteen. Number eleven, the Orlando Magic. They at their first pick ended up with Brandon Miller. I'm going to take big fella Kobe Bufkin at number eleven. Bufkin's rim finishing numbers in college were insane, like 70% at the rim, which is crazy for a combo guard like him. Is he a pure point guard? No. Is he an elite, absolute knockdown shooter? I don't think so. But he's a guy that can do a lot of stuff. We just saw one of these players, Bradley Beal, go in a... a, Or people expecting him to be or thinking he's a superstar. And Buffkin's not that different overall game-wise to Beal. I think he's a better defender than what Beal has been. He's probably not as good of a scorer or as good of a shooter as what Beal has shown at times. But a combo guard with size, who can handle, who can run point, who can play off ball, who can guard, who can finish at the rim, who's a sophomore, but he's a very young sophomore. I think he just turned 20. I'm taking Buffkin at 11, mix him in there with Markel, mix him in there with um, Jalen Suggs. Having Bufkin playing next to Fultz and, and Miller and Parlor, who maybe transitions to small ball five at times, I just think it just adds some real value to this team. Number 12. Is this one high? Yeah, but I really like Noah Clowney. I know that most people will have him in the late 20s, early second round maybe. I just, he's young, right? He's not even 19 yet. He... You might have noticed this, but guys who I think have got some shooting upside, who have got size, who can play center, who can protect the rim, who can switch onto the perimeter, I just think are unbelievably valuable. Aaron Gordon. right? I'm not saying Noah Clowney is Aaron Gordon, but why isn't he Aaron Gordon? Why couldn't he play that that, that role with more rim protection and more upside as a shooter? It's very hard to look into everything that happens in college and just take all those numbers as the... Be all and end all that player's career. Context is very important. He's not 19 yet. He'll turn 19 really soon, but he's still only 18, Noah Clowney. Protect the rim, defend on the perimeter, some shooting upside. I debated him and another guy who I think is in this area, Leonard Miller, with his pick going to the Thunder. Clowney can play next to Chet, can play at center when Chet's on the bench. Uh, gives him a little bit more size, a little bit more defense. He's got shooting and five-out upside as well. I think he can shoot moving forward. I don't know that he's there yet, but I think he can. And I just think it's a worthwhile developmental uh, pick who has clearly, to me, got starter and top 10 upside. Top 10 in this draft, not top 10 in the league upside. Number 13, Toronto Raptors. I'm going to take Jalen hood Shafino. I started this process with him in the 20s, but I'm just more and more in. The system did not work for him necessarily with Trace Jackson-Davis getting everything run through him. Shafino's big, like 6'5", as a point guard. I think he's a solid passer, solid enough defender. The shooting numbers are really bad coming out of Indiana, but I do think that they can improve, and that size and getting someone with some shooting upside, which I think he does, makes quite a bit of sense. Now, you could say that Anthony Black should go ahead of him, and I totally understand that. And Black could very easily be the better player, but I do think that Hood Shafino Has got better offensive upside, better shooting upside, with not as good of a defender, for sure. Passing-wise, Black probably better, but it's close. And I'm just going to take the guy that I think has got a little bit more offensive juice, a little bit more room to grow into being a good to very good offensive player, where I don't think Black can ever get there. So I'm going to take Hood Shafino at number 13. That would take me to number 14, which is the New Orleans Pelicans, and I, I won't let him go any further. Mr. Black. Yeah. Again, tiers are important. I, I actually did debate this. Do I drop him down to 15? But no, I am going to take Anthony Black at number 14. I just really worry about the shot. And while I can worry about a shot or I can worry about a men's shot, I just think the upside of those players is so much higher than Black's. Black, Black might end up the fifth best player in this class. Many people think this. There are a lot of people who are really high on him. I'm just not. I'm just really concerned about the overall lack of offense, the lack of shooting, and I don't think he makes up for it enough in other areas. Is he a good defender? Sure, but is he a guy that oh, can he be a point guard? Is he more of a three? Yeah. Where, did, where does he sort of fit offensively? Will they just completely ignore him? Can he then use his burst to get to the rim? Like I don't know. I don't know that he can do any of those things. So that puts him in a spot where like, like if the shot doesn't become anything at all, then it's really hard to play him. And defensively, that's that's great, but. You can't build a team around a guy that struggles in a lot of areas offensively. And that's sort of where I think Black is. I could be really wrong on that. And having him ahead of or behind Clowney and Hood Shafino, it sounds stupid. I understand that when you see a million mock drafts come from ESPN or The Athletic or The Ringer or CBS or wherever you see them, you see all these mock drafts. But I guarantee you, they are wrong. I am wrong. They are wrong as well. Because consensus never works out to be that way. And someone always turns to shit. It could be Clowney. It could be Bufkin. It could be Hendricks. It could be a man. I don't know. But I am just not as big on Anthony Black as others. Um, Number 15, going to the Hawks, is Leonard Miller. I could have had Leonard Miller at number 10. What he did in the G League, 18 and 10, against a bunch of professionals was very impressive to me. He's still relatively young. I'm I'm not sure about the shooting for him. I worry about... Well, he's got the measurables to be a good defender. I'm not sure he's there yet. So that gives me some concern. Obviously, we know that John Collins is forever on the trade block. I would love for them to have gotten a three more than a four here, but I think Miller's probably in a higher class than the next guy, which I did debate. You don't know who pick 16 is yet in this mock, but I did debate having these guys ahead. Um, But I'm going to take Leonard Miller here. I just think that upside is interesting. Can he work along with Jalen Johnson? Possibly. Johnson's no guarantee to be a good start. I think you just want to take flyers on these players who can develop into number two or number three type of guys, which I think Leonard Miller can. I just wouldn't want to pass on him. And it's not like they can fill that spot easily with Jalen Johnson, even if John Collins goes. They can do that. But I just think that Miller's talent is is high. So let's go to the um let's go to the next uh the next group. Yeah, let's do it. Where are we going through? Number twenty through to sixteen. At sixteen, I do have Bilal Kalabali. From Metropolitan's 92, who has risen tons in this pre-draft process. There are people tell me he might go as high as five, which seems crazy to me. He's definitely going top 10 or he's going lottery or whatever. He's young. He's 18. Stupid long wingspan. I think he's up to 6'8 now in some measurements of his overall height. and He's got a 7'2 wingspan. He can defend really well. I think he can pass a little bit. But... I'm still not convinced with the overall shooting. And does he just turn into this long and rangy guy that we're waiting to develop? And maybe the shot comes and the offense comes and he just sits there and gets lost. So while I do like Calaboli and I've moved him up quite a bit, I'm not not moving him into the lottery. I think those other guys just have a little bit more um, a little bit more solid base in their value versus where Bilal sits at the moment. Number 17. All right, let's go. This is never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. But I'm going to have Brandon Pajemski at 17. At some point, and now have I been swayed by the Bronco Jalen Williams? Probably yes. Same school, translate across. Pajemski scored 22 points in Illinois. He was a freshman at Illinois a year ago. 22 points, not a game, total. 22 points he scored. And then this season, he put up scoring threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goals, three-point free throw percentage. Everything was great. Every stat was amazing. Numbers are awesome. Can he play the off-ball? Sure. Can he play points? Sure. Is he big? Can he rebound? Yeah. He's big. 6'5", 6'6". Could he fill in a role that D'Angelo Russell is leaving? Could he fill in a role similar to Austin Reeves? Sure. I just think that at some point, the the weight of his statistics have got to push him a little bit higher than some of these other guys that didn't do it, and it's a little bit theoretical. A little bit older? Sure. 20 years or 21? But I just think at 17, I just like him here. And it will never happen. It just will never happen that he will get picked here. I know this. But my hope in having him here is that in three years' time, we come back and go, man, how did we all sleep on Podzemski? That's sort of what I'm seeing. Number 18 is Bryce Sensibor going to the Heat. I was a little worried about his knee. I'm still a little bit worried about him. I like his size. I like his strength, his scoring, his shooting. I worry somewhat that he is a big usage player that might not translate to other parts of his game. and His defense is pretty rough but I just think I really believe in the shot-making from multiple levels. I believe in the shooting for him quite a bit, and I've got him ahead of other guys who are projected to go higher, considerably higher. I just believe in what Sensible can do. That brings me to the the big fella, the old fella, Grady Dick at number 19, going to the Warriors. I'm not totally sold on Dick. (laughs) He's a good shooter in college, but I'm not really sure what else. Can he be... A defender who doesn't get picked on? I don't know. Can he move the ball and pass? I don't know. Can he cut? Yeah, I think he can do that. And it's probably me just pushing. Am I doubling down a little bit on my dislike of the consensus rank for Dick? Yeah, probably a little bit. That's probably part of it where I see him going, every single mock draft, Dick, 11, magic. Every draft seems to have that. And that is probably what will happen but I just don't like it that much. I think he can be a good shooter, but I'd like to see something else. And I haven't really seen that yet. Then at number 20, and I really debated having this guy ahead of Grady Dick, it is the pimple, Derek Whitehead. A top three recruit coming into the college season, dealt with a foot injury, dealing with a foot injury again, another surgery on it, which is a, a massive concern. And if he didn't have that foot injury, he'd be much higher. He'd be lottery for me. The shooting was awesome at Duke. He's got the size. I think he's got, I actually do think he's got more upside than Dick, but I have dropped him behind. I think he's got more upside than sensible, to be honest, and probably Pujemski. But I'm a little worried about the foot injury here, multiple foot injuries, but he has got what you want size-wise, vision-wise, usage-wise, shooting-wise, and some defensive ability. I'm just a little bit worried about that foot injury. So I am chucking him there at um, number 20 to the Houston Rockets. Let's go to the next five guys. At number 21, it's the Brooklyn Nets. They're at 22 as well. And I'm going to take Keontae George and G.G. Jackson. George worries me a little bit when he's being mocked in the lottery as a high-volume guy that requires big usage, who's very inefficient, that if he has to temper his game down, doesn't really do it. But when you're in the 20s, there is upside to be a lead guard. I don't think he can ever be a point guard, and he's probably a little bit small to be a permanent off guard, although he's about the same size as Donovan Mitchell, just doesn't have the same length wingspan. Uh, defensively, I worry about him. He had the back problem through college. I just think that he's a little bit, you know, all, not all, he's very, he's closer to Nick Smith than to Kobe Bufkin for me, a guy that goes by with usage and looks great in certain settings, but in an NBA context, I'm not really sure that he deserves to be higher. Whereas GG Jackson could have been the number one pick in next year's draft. He's young. He's immature. He turns 19 in December. That's how young he is. Uh, he has size. He's got offensive upside for this Nets team that I don't really know their direction at this point. But again, I just like where he can go if, you know, by the end of this season, he you know, theoretically would have been just preparing for the NBA draft if he hadn't have reclassified. So any sort of development you get from GG this season is a huge, a huge bonus. So I think just taking that upside value on him as a 6'8", 6'9", wing scorer, those sort of plays, if they hit, it's really, really valuable. At 23, it's the Blazers, and I'm going to take another G League Ignite player here, and that's CD Sissoko, who has got the size, like a 6'7 wing, who can pass, who can defend. The shooting is a definite worry, but one thing that encouraged me with CD is some of the games where Scoot missed for the G League. He was put into a larger offensive role, and he came through. He scored 20 points, I think, in five or six games in a row, and then was able to scale his role back. You want me to be 3 or d Fine. You want me to take on a larger role? Let's do it. And that's a huge benefit for me because some players either can't scale their role back and be useful or, when given the opportunity, can't scale their role up into being a better usage guy. He's another one of these French wings like Calaboli and like Ryan Rupaire, who I do think um, can be at times uh, you're sort of grouped together. But I do have him pretty clearly ahead of repair and pretty clearly behind Calaboli. But he was able to succeed in a professional league at the age of 18 19. And Sissoko comes in at 23. 24 for me is Jed Howard, who did have that um, ankle problem through the year. A really strong shooter, really good size. I think he's six, seven. My worry for him is even more so than it is with Dick is what else can you do? Can you defend? I don't think so. Horrific rebound numbers, bad assist numbers. Um, can you become, now? when I had Albert on the show um, from No Ceilings, he was like, no, I think he can actually be a self creator and creator for others. I don't see that yet, but there is that possibility. Though there is obviously some upside value in him, I just didn't really see it. And towards the end of the year, like Buffkin took over as that guy at Michigan. Uh, Yeah, Howard was injured, but Buffkin took over from him. Then at 25, it is Nick Smith, who I've got in that position, who again came in like Derek Whitehead as a top recruit, struggled a lot at Arkansas. He's very skinny. That worries me in terms of efficiency. If you can't be efficient in college, and the frame is a problem, and You've got poor shot selection. He's a good kid. He also, like Jet, played through injury, which definitely impacted him negatively. And if I was just basing it on college production, Dick Smith wouldn't go here. Like, he'd be in the 30s. But I do still believe in some of the talent and some of the upside. And there's a very clear cutoff here between where Smith is at 25 versus the next group of five players. And let's go to those final five players. At 26, it's the that I'm going to take Olivier Maxence Prosper. Wing, 21 years of age, defender. Can he ever be an offensive guy? I don't know. I don't think so. But just getting forward-sized players in who can do something, who have got who have developed really quickly because he's a transfer to Marquette this season. I can't remember where he was the year before. But he transferred across and took big, big steps forward. And wasn't really a guy that was on many radars early on. He wasn't actually in my mock draft first round last time we did it. He comes in, Rupert goes out. There's actually three other guys that go out. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, but Max Sense Prosper, not Max Sense Prosper, Omax uh, Prosper goes here to the Pacers. At number 27, it is Jordan Hawkins going to the Hornets. I just, I'm just, I don't, I'm not in. Elite shooter, yes. Movement shooter, really good. Older prospect, a little bit slighter frame, not as big as Dick or Sensibor as shooters or Whitehead as shooters. Um, skinnier, older useful, sure, can be a useful player, first round guy, and he's 100% getting drafted higher than this. But I think he's a one-skill player. I think he's a, a one not a one-trick pony, because that just sounds offensive. I think he's a one-skill guy, a shooter. That is it. I don't think he can create for himself. I don't think he can create for others. I don't think he can defend. I just think he's sort of there as a shooter, which is fine, but I don't think the upside's there. 28, the Jazz, Amari Bailey is a new entry into the first round for me. Didn't do a huge amount at UCLA, but their system was a lot of uh, Jaime Hakez, who was getting the ball a ton, and Jalen Clark, obviously. And Bailey started to play a little bit better towards the end of the season. He's young. He came in as a high-level recruit. I think he's got a decent level of athleticism. He didn't show it a huge amount at UCLA, but I do think that there is now. And there are some mock drafts that have him as high as 13, which is insane to me. But they a young combo guard with shooting, passing, offensive upside. Not the worst defender, but I think it's a useful type of player to have. 29 uh, for the Pacers is another new entry. He was in my first mock draft. I dropped him out, and now he comes back in. Maxwell Lewis going to the Indiana Pacers. I'm a little bit worried about him in terms of the consistency. Great first half, terrible second half. Which one is real? He's a little bit older. He played lower competition for Pepperdine as well. He can be a sort of scorer on the wing, but he's not an elite shooter, which I think he sort of needs to be. He's not an elite defender. He's not a great passer. He's sort of a... You know, him and Colby Jones I find really hard to pass through. Like, what are they? They're just sort of doing stuff. They're just sort of doing little bits and pieces without anything where I go, well, if this happens, you are elite in this area. I think they all come in and go, yeah, you're all right. That's sort of how I say that, which is fine, but I don't see that overall upside. And then number 30... Last pick in the first round, another reintroduction to my first round. It's James Naji from Barcelona, measured at seven foot. Huge wingspan. I think it was six, ten, uh, the previous measurements. Six, seven foot uh, measurement last time. Huge. Rim running, rim protecting, very young, not 19 yet. Um, Just a big guy who's going to be a pick and roll finisher. Offensive upside, forget about it. Actually be perfect playing on the Knicks because you play that sort of usage role. But defensively, pick and roll defense, pick and roll finishing on offense, rim protection, it's there, it's good. This is the Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, European big memorial selection, who always seem to get drafted late and might actually become a top 15 player from this draft. He might not because he might be just so bad offensively, like former European big man who now plays for Houston, Usman Garuba, who's just so bad offensively, he can't really stay on the court. Now, Naji could go there, but if you can develop something like Capella or like Gobert, that's unbelievably valuable. So I'm going to put Naji in there. So here's my new entrant into the um I've got four new guys come in. Uh Omax Prosper, Amari Bailey, Maxwell Lewis and James Naji. I took Repair out. I took Tristan Vukcevic out as well. Um, I took Chris Murray out of the first round. I just I think he's a solid player. I just don't see the excitement in it and he's old, he's 23. Uh, second round, sure, pick 31, no worries, he can go there, but I took him out, and then Bobby Clintman withdrew from the draft, so he's out of there as well, who's my biggest riser in this draft, probably Noah Clowney, from 22 up to 12, Pajemski up from 25 to 17, they're probably my two biggest risers, my biggest faller is probably Sensibor, from 11 down to 18, or GG down from 18 to 22, that's probably probably Sensibor, 11 down to 18, And that does it for the end of mock draft number three. Tomorrow, we'll be talking some draft prospects. There'll be a final 60 pick, actually not 60, 58 pick mock draft the day before the actual draft and then the live show is coming. And then the day after the live show will be, you'll get my analysis in the moment as it happens. And then the day after, we'll go in depth into everything that happened through the draft as we've sat and reflected and learned and figured how all the pieces go together. That will come after the draft. So guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.